Blog Talk Radio. Hey, folks, how you doing? Danny Tisdale, and it's the Harlem World Podcast. You know what? Happy New Year. 2023, we made it. Uh, and shout out to those that we love and those that we may not have known uh, that they are not with us this year, but a uh, shout out to them. Uh, and we want to, as I said, uh, welcome everyone to the podcast. We've got, of course, another great uh, leader, legend, and trailblazer. Uh, before I get started, we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. And I'm going to sneak in a little secret. Uh, our guest is celebrating, the organization celebrating uh, their 25th anniversary. And I think she's probably about to celebrate her 26th anniversary. When I've seen the photo, she's about as young as can be. Uh, but let me get right into it. Thanks for tuning in. As I said, I'm your host, Danny Tisdale, publisher and founder of Harlem World Magazine. On today's show, as I said, we speak to another leader, legend, and trailblazer from Harlem, in Harlem, around Harlem, in the world of Harlem, who are helping our readers live their best life and style. Before we get started, don't forget to follow the podcast on Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, Alexis, and tons more platforms. And don't forget to leave a review or rating on social media about the show. Today we speak to West Harlem Art Fund Director Savannah Bailey McLean, who organized a panel coming up titled Master Drawings New York at the Academy of Arts and Letters Midtown. The West Harlem Art Fund is 25 years old, as I said earlier, so we give a shout out to them for that. But without further ado, let's get right into it. Hello, Miss Bailey. How are you doing? I'm fine, Danny. How are you? I am doing great. I'm excited to be on the show with you. And, you know, we have a, a, a new year. Um, I know I think this year you celebrate your 26th birthday or something like that, but we won't get into that. <laughs> we'll just go forward. Um, and, and and just to push forward, you know, I love the idea, as I said to you, uh, of the sh- uh, panel. I keep wanting to call it a, a show um, at the Academy, and that's Sunday, January 22nd at 1 p.m. Eastern time. For all of you listeners who are outside of the United States, outside of Harlem, maybe on the West Coast, that's 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, and also, let me, just a little prep. You know, I received an email from uh, you, Miss Bailey, and you said the panel is about the relationship between dealers, museums, artists, and uh, uh, um, and there is a fluid relation between these parties. They feed into each other. Dealers are also introducing lesser-known artists to museums and their new works. Influential artists are using their star power to recommend artists to galleries. This helps the public become more acquainted with different traditions, techniques, and stories. Numbers overall for museum acquisitions need improving, but it's moving in the right direction. You said, I have, a, I have findings of recent museum surveys that can support that. Uh, artists looking to make a splash still need representation, but also collectors, people of color, need to buy art and build demand. So, so true. They can start with prints, works on paper, ceramics, and small sculptures. Uh, participation is key. 
Savannah, that is an outstanding statement, and it certainly speaks to uh, an ongoing scenario that's been happening with artists in the art world for a time. But I, before we kind of get into that statement, who came up with the concept behind uh, uh, creating uh, Master's Drawings New York? Was that yourself or a team? No, Master's Drawings uh, began in uh, 2006. And it was started by Margot Gordon, Riley Smith. And uh, they're based in London. And so this is a New York-London collaboration mm. with galleries and dealers from the United States and Europe. And they strategically selected galleries um, on the Upper East Side along Madison Avenue. So it includes master paintings, sculpture, and photography. Mm. Fantastic. And, and I, I'm a huge lover of master uh, drawings. Uh, next question. Who are, I'm sorry, what are some of the most popular works sold by artists of color and um, that are in the show? Do we have some insight on uh, some of that information? So let me explain my participation with Master's Drawing. Okay. So five years ago, I was covering Master's Drawings for my radio program. I had a radio show with WBAI. And as I was um, going from gallery to gallery, event to event, I realized that most of the artwork was representing 14th to 20th century, and there was no representation of any artist uh, of color. That's what I was getting at. So, yeah. Yes. That's so I, I reached out to the organizer for the New York uh, um, edition of Master's Drawings, and I just suggested um, that it would be nice if we could have more color <laughs> in this whole series, because it's not a fair. It's a series, because the gallerists do not leave their venue to go to another place. And so I was told, yes, that would be nice, and but then nothing happened. And the following year, I reached out to Jill Newhouse, fourth-generation uh, art dealer right across the street from the Met, and I asked Jill, would she be willing to let me have a panel discussion in her gallery? She has a small gallery. And she said, yes, I'm mm -hmm. willing to do it, maximum 50 people. And what I did, I had artists of color respond to those works from the 14th to approximately 18th century. It started off as a hit because it was the first time such a discussion was I'm had sure. during yeah. Master's Drawing. The audience was primarily people of color, and for the first time, for many of them, it was their first exposure in an Upper East Side gallery in these beautiful buildings, townhouses, mm -hmm. and pre-World uh, uh, War One apartment buildings. And so right. that's how right. the I'm relationship sure. began. You know, um, it, pretty amazing that is still ongoing scenario that has been going on for decades. And as I mentioned to you uh, before the show, which is my ongoing 
complaint. I, I'm sure if you spoke to any of my art friends, uh, ex-girlfriends, recent girlfriends, uh, they tell you that I'm forever wearing their ears out over the fact that uh, all the money I spent getting my master's degree that I've never had a art a, 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 a business class. You know, business is not mm -hmm. offered to artists uh, in our practice. Uh, which mm -hmm. is astounding and astonishing and not surprising at the same time. But, uh, you know, as I said, uh, you mentioned in your statement, participation is key. What did you mean by that? Yes. Did you mean participation all right, so, by all or artists? Well, I'm talking about the public becoming more engaged. Unfortunately, in the United States, most Americans feel that the fine arts are for the wealthy and it is not for everybody right. else. That is not true. Right. It is for everyone. But if you right. are not given the opportunity to experience a variety of arts in different settings with different people, you would tend to think it's not for you. So where do most people go? They mostly go to either museums or galleries, and I would say more museums than galleries. So you go in and you look, but you don't mm -hmm. really engage. You're just a voyeur. You certainly just don't seeing touch. things, and you don't necessarily have to know anything about the artist, anything about the subject. And what really is needed to help artists, to help dealers, to help our American art scene is real participation. And that's why dealers are so important because they have a much more approachable uh, platform in which people can engage, where you can go to a dealer, you can ask questions, you can get to know them, you can get to know the artists that they represent, and it begins a relationship that could be for the rest of your life. That's right. Uh, and, and excellent points. And, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I've never said it, but that is what uh, made me get a divorce from the art world is that yeah, I, I love the engagement with my art, with the public, but that's not mm -hmm. what, as you said, uh, what happens in the art world. And I, I want to get back to just the great work that you're doing, Savona. And, and also in your notes, you mentioned a museum survey. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that survey results uh, intertwine with what we're talking about, if it does? So there... Right. It began in the year 2018. Uh, it's called the Burns mm -hmm. Halperin Report. And the mm -hmm. primary focus on that report when it first started in 2018 was, um, you know, black American artists. Are they being acquired by museums? And oh, we know the, answer to that. the researchers figured out that headline exhibitions, because this is after the death of George Floyd, did not necessarily mirror the systemic mm -hmm. racism yeah. and sexism artists were still experiencing. The 2022 edition just came out in December, so they've expanded their focus to deal with representation in U.S. museums and the art markets with black artists. Then representation 
of U.S. museums and the art world with female identifying artists and then black female identifying artists. 31 institutions were surveyed, large institutions like the Met or the Art Institute of Chicago to small universities mm -hmm. and also regional spaces like the Nasher uh, space in the middle of the country. Uh, the budgets ranged from as high as $100 million down to $10 million or less. And they were looking at different findings from between the first study, 2008 and 2020. Are you interested in learning what they what? found out? Oh, most definitely. So they found out that between 2008 and 2020, and I'm sure most of your audience would not find any of these numbers really out of sync. Only 11% of acquisitions by female identifying artists were actually picked up by museums. The numbers go down 2.2% for just black artists and 0.5% when you focus on black women artists. Hmm. So those are technically low, low numbers. And but yet there's an improvement. Now when it comes to the level of growth from two thousand and eight to twenty twenty, art by women grew by a hundred and seventy five percent for black artists. So that was two thousand that was two thousand eight to two thousand twenty? To twenty twenty, yes. Okay. Then for black artists the market growth grew to four hundred percent. And then the market growth for black female artists grew 700%. And this is after a peak, which is 2015, which is two years after Black Lives Matter. The peak. So, yes, there's a long way to go, but there is some improvement. And then you have the shifting of uh, people of hmm. color across the country like Naomi Beckwith, who's now at the Guggenheim, uh, making decisions in senior positions. And so you'll see <laughs> an increase. Right now you have a beautiful uh, exhibition of Nick Cave at the Guggenheim. You have the Afrofuturistic Viewing Room, which is astounding at the Met. So you're seeing these improvements uh, that are developing across the country. But not much improvement for the average artist who's working in his or her studio as we speak. Um, and I'm going to let that question linger for a, a second, Simona, as we okay. do a quick station ID and let our listeners know they're listening to Harlem World Magazine podcast. I'm the host, Andy Tisdale, and this is the show. And don't forget to help us celebrate our 20th anniversary as we celebrate all year long. And Savona, you were making a point. I didn't want to cut you off. Please continue. Savona? Yes, I'm Hello? here. Yes, I'm oh, okay. here. Uh, oh, I was just saying, uh, were you finished with the what you were saying or did I cut you off? 
No, you didn't cut me off. I was I waiting you for off. you. Okay. If you had any more questions about those findings. Well, well, I do, but, you know, we're already at the halfway point, so uh, I'm going to push a little forward, um, and, and maybe we can add a link to the podcast so our readers can find more information about uh, uh, the subject. You know, and it also sounds like this, here's an opportunity for the Harvard Business School or the Columbia Business School to create some kind of programs for you know, supply and demand. There's a supply of artists, and we know that there's a demand for their work. Uh, but let me move forward. I love the concept and idea, uh, Miss Bailey. When, how can we all take advantage, or should I? Let me ask the question differently. How can uh, small businesses, listeners, maybe moms and dads and others, support this kind of movement? Well, you know, How this is we... basically oh, about, I tried it, I've, I've done this for many, many years where I've taken groups of people. In fact, there was a, a singular group for two years. Every month, I would take them to different galleries around the city. Hmm. It starts with developing your own, your own appreciation. And hmm. many collectors, that's how they started. They would go to different right. spaces. They would look at different works. They would understand what they appreciated. And then, you know, it would grow from there. And I encourage people right. to collect. You don't have to spend tens of thousands of dollars. You could start off, as I mentioned in my uh, text to you, you could start off with a uh, work on paper. That could be as little as $50 to $200. But you have that work, you like it, you frame it, you develop more information about it, and you share it. Uh, Americans don't um, talk with each other about what they collect. And they're collecting clubs in Asia and South America parts of Europe where mm. people collect and they share information, pictures, or artwork so that Great they point. can grow an artist, they can grow a technique, and that's how you begin. Um, there was a great film on HBO, Brillo uh, Box, Three Cent Off, where it followed this particular Brillo Box by Andy Warhol and this couple who were in New York, young, living downtown, and they were exchanging artwork with other couples, and they happened to get a piece by Andy Warhol, and they didn't even know who he was, which was the, the part <laughs> that was hysterical. And it was oh, the I, I only can imagine. real old box he signed. Hmm. Worth millions. Oh, yeah. Today, <laughs> they didn't know who he was. <laughs> you know, and and uh, just to uh, spin off of what you just said, you know, because um, I want to talk a little bit about where today, as we speak, listeners can go and buy artwork, uh, Etsy. Uh, fine art archives, which we're going to be using for Harlem World Magazine. Um, 
And you also mentioned uh, uh, where new collectors can start. And you mentioned prints. Uh, also, I think uh, you mentioned uh, works on paper, ceramics, small sculptures. Mm -hmm. There's tons of opportunities that fit whatever your, your budget may be. Um, and mm -hmm. there's no reason for my fellow artists to continue to uh, starve out there. And, um, you know, well, that still uh, is the problem. Sabona, can you hear me? That still is a problem. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I can hear you. Oh, go ahead. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about that problem? Yeah, we have uh, an overabundance of artists or those who claim they're artists in the United States. It's still a very <laughs> small percentage of artists that actually are very successful. And um, which is sad, but the point is it's it's the truth. And um, yes. so I suggest to people that they go to, to dealers where they can start to develop relationships with artists direct, directly. Some dealers, you know, um, have a very good track record with museums. That's the whole purpose of the conversation. New uh, narratives in museum collecting. Uh, it's this fluid relationship where museums go to dealers. And so this is how new artists or lesser known artists get um, better exposure to the public. So it's not just buying online. I tend not to be interested in that as much. Uh, unless I already know who the artist is. But if you're just learning, gotcha. I say go to dealers. Go to these galleries. Look and see. Talk with the dealers. They may offer you a deal, and it's because you're beginning a relationship with the artist. So for people who are artists, you know, now and have been for a while or just coming out of school, it's the same process as those who've been, you know, uh, doing quite well in galleries and auction houses. you got to mm -hmm. build relationships with dealers. You have to build a following with the public. You have to be generous to let people see your work, talk about your work. Don't be standoffish and don't offer such high prices that you make it prohibitive from people following you and buying with you. So those are the things I try to tell artists as they're trying to, you know, jumpstart or begin their career. And, and just uh, as a heads up for some of our listeners, um, and uh, depending on depending on the site that you're on, uh, it is said that there are close to three million artists in the United States. And again, depending on the site you're on, might tell you a different number, higher or lower. But, uh, Sabon, I wanted to get right into the panel a little bit. We have about five, maybe six minutes left. Can you talk a little bit about the panel, some of the panelists, sure. and some of their, uh, why they're on the panel? Thank you. Sure. So the panel is going to be at the Academy of Arts and Letters, which is on the border of West Harlem, and Washington Heights uh, in the um, Audubon Complex, beautiful complex. Mm, Arts beautiful, and Letters beautiful, is a premier beautiful. institution for American artists, architects, 
writers, photographers, you name it, from the mid-1800s to present day. So it's worth coming just to be in the facility. The panelists include well, uh, Barbara Earl Thomas. The facility is almost Thomas. an art object in itself. Yes, it is, quite frankly. And their photo gallery is amazing. It's jaw-dropping. Amazing. Uh, Barbara <laughs> yeah, Earl I'm sorry to cut Thomas. Huh? Oh, please, go ahead. Yes, Barbara Earl Thomas will be zoomed in from the West Coast. She's a Seattle-based uh, artist, and she does. She was trained as a portrait artist, but she has blended it and moved beyond just mm. painting to also paper cuts portraits. Mm. They're amazing, using black paper and then silhouettes, almost mm. a stained glass sort of feel to it. Wow. Uh, magical realism. Then we have two art dealers, Sanjay Kapoor, a third-generation art dealer, and Noberto Rivera, who's the director of photography at the Throckmorton Fine Arts Galleries. These guys are my buddies. Mm -hmm. They have been friends with me for several years. So Sanjay deals with Southeast Asian miniature portraits, and uh, Noberto deals with uh, photography, but also drawings from various Latin American artists. So I'm showing the breadth of uh, Latino, ex, uh, Southeast Asian, and contemporary black artists, and how all of them have been in some sort of negotiations with museums to, you know, diversify their collections to have new voices, new stories, new histories told for the public so we can see more of ourselves in these museums across the country. Fantastic. Um, and I love the idea. It's long overdue. And hopefully we can help you to continue this uh, story that needs to be told uh, about artists' work that are in Harlem, uh, across the United States, and quite frankly, of course, around the, the world. And, and Sabona, can you give some links uh, uh, to uh, for our readers so that they can attend the event, stay in touch with you, and uh, just uh, you know get more of the insight that you share? Uh, with uh, your list and uh, all the folks that are part of the uh, um, the fund, the West Harlem Arts Fund? Yes, yeah, so our website is very simple. Uh, it's westharlem.art. Very simple. And it will take you to our WordPress site, and it has information, and I have constant articles about various artists of color globally. Fantastic. And so that way people, again, Fantastic. can learn about different artists, exhibitions, techniques, styles, uh, background. So westharlem.art. Uh, to register for new narratives in museum collections, you right. need to go to the Masters Drawings New York site and look under events. We are one of the partners, West Harlem Art Fund. They have a direct link so that you can register. People are registering for the panel. We have a cap of 100 people, and this is in person. Mm. So, therefore, people Fantastic. can do that. Now, if you're adventurous, 
the Friday before January 20th at 6 p.m., 82nd Street and 5th Avenue. You can join some of us as we start to take over Master's Drawings on the Upper East Side, hitting about six to eight galleries where people could go wow. inside these beautiful buildings. Free, doesn't wow. cost anything, both events. And it's so, free. therefore, you get to wow. go. Yes, everything is free. So, therefore, you can have this behind the scene experience, meeting dealers, mm. seeing works, having conversations, because it's all about having a relationship with people. And we do need to participate. We can't just sit back and wait for people to come to us. Sometimes we have to go to them. And that's what we're doing. Friday night, January 20th, 6 to 8, and then Sunday, January 22nd, we have the panel. Savona, you are fantastic, and the fun is uh, doing great work. And obviously, what we're talking about just proves that. And thank you so much for being on the show. I knew that this was going to fly by too fast because <laughs> I've got about 60,000 more questions for you. Uh, but okay. we're going to post it all on the website with the links for everyone. And uh, I hope this is not the end of our conversations and maybe the beginning. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you thank for you. being yeah. our local media partner for our panel. Yeah. Thank you so very, very much. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.